Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. The Los Angeles Rams put their chips in the middle of the table and they cash out Super Bowl champions in 2022. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. Hour number two is here. Live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew here as well, making it happen after a busy and fun week in the bright lights of L.A. The Rams get their championship. L.A. has their champion now for football in the NFL. There's a new title holder there. And they did it with an all-in approach through Kroenke. And I detailed this a bit last week and the week prior. Kroenke needed that splash. He wanted that championship run. And while they had a good team, they were not great with Jared Goff. They made it to a Super Bowl. But again, as we mentioned earlier in the hour number one, they scored three points against the Patriots defense. Things had to change. But it was more than just quarterback. They trade away draft picks for veteran talent, willing to pay the salary to win now instead of setting up and promising a bright future they wanted the shiny trophy immediately, and it, it pays off. Last January, they go get their quarterback. But again, more than that, at the trade deadline, they pick up Von Miller. Uh, prior to that, they trade away multiple future picks to get Jalen Ramsey, disgruntled corner in Jacksonville. They take on his money and his salary, they're, they're, meaning they're going to give him a big contract extension. They pay Aaron Donald. They... You go back far enough, they gave up a lot for Braden Cooks, which they then turned around and got a little bit back for. But that factors into this whole trade. Yeah, I think they got a second-round pick back from Houston. But they gave up first or multiple firsts. And I think uh, Cooks is the only player that I can recall that's that's demanded multiple first-round picks in in multiple multiple trades. Um, But, yeah, they, they deal him away. And then they get Odell Beckham Jr., which is a gift because the Browns release him after the trade deadline. They release him after the trade deadline. He doesn't have to clear waivers based on his veteran status in the NFL, and he chooses L.A. over Green Bay in large part because Von Miller's there and sold him on the Pro Bowl-like atmosphere of everything going on. And they go and put everything together and go win a title. There's more to it than all of that, but the all-in approach is hard to just replicate across the league. You have to have the salary cap in order, space in order to do it and the maneuverability to do it. And you also have, have to have a coach with the guts willing to pull off the trade at the quarterback position. Yeah, yeah. Which, I, which a lot of coaches would say, hey, this guy got us there. We can get back with him. You also have to have the right disgruntled guy come free, right? Jalen Ramsey, arguably the best corner in the league has to be upset with his team and want out. And you have to have... That team has to be willing to cave into his demands. But you have there to, are a lot of permutations. Uh, another example. 
you have to have the Detroit Lions willing to take on Jared Goff's contract. Yes. You know, they're dumping Stafford's. They're willing to take on Jared Goff's. And they could have gone with David Blau. <laughs> or anyone. I mean, yeah, or, they, they could have drafted a, a quarterback third round last draft year. Pick or well, first, first round, round draft pick yeah. last year. I mean, they, 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 they made a lot the of trade different in January. They could have gone a lot of different directions. I, I personally don't understand why you want Jared Goff as part of that. And I wouldn't be party to another deal that's like that, take, taking a quarterback back, it, uh, it, I think, an expensive I, quarterback. I think back. there is this perception across those who cover the league and who are fans of the league that all of a sudden anything is, is possible. Well, there are a lot of things that have to align in place to pull off exactly what the Rams did. Yeah, I and said it's this not on, just at the quarterback I spot. said this on Dockage this morning. I was, I was a guest on Don't At Me. There, there are also two changes of thinking that have to go on here, right? You could be in the more of a go-for-it mode in terms of acquisitions, but then your finance people have to, have to be willing to change the way they operate their spreadsheets. So it, it's a, this is a twofold mindset change. If you say, hey, let's go be the next Rams. It, it, well, first, all the permutations we just hit there in terms of who's available to right. you to go get. But then probably a sea change in your cap thinking where most teams, te- I would say, wouldn't you, the majority of teams tend to think more conservatively cap-wise in terms of we don't want to get ourselves in regular cap jams and kick the can down the road pay a ton now and suffer later. So if you make this change on personnel, that's one thought. Then you got to get your finance people and your ownership to come with you and say, hey, listen, we're going to pay a lot of money now. First off, you got to be very liquid now too, right? Because all the bonuses and all that stuff's up Up front. front. We're paying a lot more money right now, Mr. Owner, than we've paid in the past. Later on, things will be cheaper, but also we're probably going to take a dent in terms of winning and all that. We're very much not in a, uh, like we've always been in a kind of long-term forecast looking at this kind of arrow. Now we're looking kind of at a, a now and worry about later, later kind of. It's a very big change in mindset. Well, and I also, you know, the last piece of this with Odell Beckham Jr. being able to sign him and bring him in, um, I think that your L.A. helps, right? If this was in Charlotte with the Panthers, would they be able to pull off this all-in approach? I think the market also helps with a lot of these big-name guys uh, to bring into the Rams, which you can't replicate everywhere, obviously, because not everywhere is the, the, you know, the market size of, of L.A. And that it's not the biggest factor, but I think it is a factor if you're trying to build this way. The smartest thing that, to me that the Rams have done in devaluing their first-round pick and trading so many away, they've taken this philosophical approach with, second, third, fourth round picks where we're going to treat it like a first round pick. We're going to go get a third rounder that's going to play immediately because they do something very specific that we need. It either accelerates a part of the the team in some way or it accentuates a part of the team in some way. And because this player can do this, we can plug and play them. And it doesn't have to be high price talent everywhere or first round talent everywhere we can treat our third round like our first round and still get guys who can come contribute immediately. That's very different also from the way the league views third, fourth round yeah. picks. And, and they've been able to do that at And they put a, a high value on, look, we may, they're going to go seven years without a first round pick. Um, <clears throat> they won't have one until 2024. So they may be fine with that, uh, Chad, to your point. They've kept the numbers up. We're still going to have six, seven-man draft classes 
and we're going to, like you're saying, get, get good value out of those. But you also have the question, like, take out one key piece. Andrew Whitworth retires now. What, what does that do? Well, they survived a couple games without Whitworth. Then Whitworth's backup got hurt. Then, then it got complicated. But Whitworth is a corner. Don't, don't be mistaken. Whitworth's been a cornerstone of what they're doing. Oh, for sure. You take that cornerstone out, you've got an assignment there at replacing that cornerstone and having depth behind him. Um, and so these cornerstone guys are a big deal. And um, how how you go about replacing them is a real challenge but I, for them. I, I think at all of it too. But it's also calculated, knowing that we're going to draft late in the first round anyway. So when you're giving those up, they're looking at it like, well, we're not going to. If we're drafting 28th or 29th, that's no different than a second round pick with our range, and that that's not ever going to be popular. The, there there's been plenty of anonymous uh, league execs when they started making these moves, like the one for Jalen Ramsey. What are the Rams doing? Are they crazy? Why are they doing all this to get one defensive back or this player? And those execs don't look as smart as the Rams do today. Well, when you lose two, well, those also seven, back in three years. When you lose those seven first rounders, you're also losing a total of seven years of contractual control there without fifth fifth year options on those seven guys. So there's another permutation where uh, that's a lot of contractual control you're giving up. Well, and, and Paul, it's a good point about the the draft. That I don't think the Rams are anti-draft. No. Um, uh, the, for those that feel that way. They feel the first-rounders are overvalued by other people. They're anti-first round when they can get other picks in the middle rounds, the way they view their draft. Well, I, to counter that, I would say their two best players are their own draft picks. Yeah. Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. And Aaron Donald's a first-round pick. And Cooper Cup is the kind of pick everybody covets, where you get a guy that's the sixth or seventh receiver in a class. Well, sure, but I can also show you a lot more. That's 50% of their two best players is a first-round pick. The other one was the seventh receiver taken, right. proving my point that they value those guys as much as first round, and they're showing us that by giving up so many first-round picks. They're not drafting in the first round for seven seasons for a reason. It's not because they're gung-ho over first-round picks. It's because they're gung-ho over trading first-round picks for big-time established players and treating second, third, fourth round. Now, this sounds Pollyanna. You can treat a fourth-round pick like a first-round pick all you want. It's not. They've been fortunate, smart, lucky, whatever you want to say, to get some guys that fit that mold, a la Cooper Cup, and where they drafted him as the seventh receiver, and he's the best in, in football. Trade, trading the first-round picks, Chad, are the easy part. You have to be able to find teams that are taking on contracts of Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. Oh, no doubt. You're, you're taking on Todd Gurley, whose career is over in Atlanta. Or where, wherever they ended up trading him to, yeah. um, I think it was Atlanta. It was Atlanta. So I mean, you have to negotiate those deals as well, and uh, that's and the hardest very part. Shrewd. You you can throw in all these picks, but you have to have the team with the cap space to get something in return, as well as taking on the player that you signed a bad contract to. They've been very fortunate in trying to pull all this off, and it came together in a perfect storm. That I think people uh, believe that it's really easy to just go all in like this in the league. And the way the cap is structured, you have to have a lot of things fall into place to just get in position to then trade for the quarterback. You know, there came a time, remember, when the Patriots were turning people around in great deals. It wasn't necessarily for first-rounders, but when they were uh, dealing picks, dealing down, or dealing guys away, they were always dealing guys at just right at the right time. And people became wary of dealing with the Patriots. 
They were like, well, the Patriots are winning too many of these deals. I don't want to be the next team to lose a deal to the Patriots. And I wonder now if there's a little bit of that with the, with the Rams. It's also funny that we talk about them trading away the picks. The two best examples, you brought up a good one in Gurley. The other one is Goff of them. Marcus Peters is not. I mean, there, there are several examples of these guys. Suckering someone else too. to take it. But where were those guys drafted? By the Rams. That's the number one overall pick in Jared Goff that they dumped. I'm just saying, in going in line with their, right. they don't care as much about the first round. Well, they got rid of two first round picks. Remarkable they found someone to take their contract. They, they, they traded. Gurley was good for a time. Goff was good for a time. But those are two first round picks. It's also, also interesting to see they what trade these for picks Stafford, become. who's also number one overall pick. They're playing against a Burrow, who's a number one overall pick. So there is value in taking your quarterback. You've uh, got to be able to assess which guy's right for you. And what did Detroit well, let me, and Jacksonville do with these picks is part of the curiosity to also, me. Also, I'm, I'm never going to sit here and argue that having the number one overall pick is a bad thing, and nor are the Rams. I'm simply stating they have taken the approach and with some good fortune to find a trade partner to take a big contract, their approach is we have the foundation. Let's go get a superstar piece or two around that and to hell with our future first-round picks to get it if that's what it takes to win a Super Bowl right now. Had they lost last night? We would be having a very different conversation because all the talk would be about a rough cap situation and what's moving forward now for the Rams. They got their one that Kroenke thought was important in moving to the Southern California market. They got their one, so it paid off. But I, I like to give them credit for being so bold because if this didn't work, I keep going back to urgency with that organization and with that team. If it didn't work... They are utter failures that are getting laughed at for losing the Super Bowl. Getting to the Super Bowl and losing it. If they don't win one in this stretch, it's a completely different conversation. And then there's the next conversation about Sean McVay and Aaron Donald. And moving forward, they got their one. And Sean McVay, is the, he's, he's the bold coach that's willing to put all the chips in the middle of the table and put everything in trying to win one. And if you buy the discussion that he could bolt for TV, this was the plan all along. Aaron Donald, the same thing. News coming out prior to kickoff um, with uh, his possible retirement, if they could win. Michelle Tafoya, in her final game on the sidelines, let off her coverage with that report, um, confirming one that was uh, made earlier, um, I believe by Rodney Harrison. Yes, it was. On yep. NBC. There's a lot to be said for what do the Rams look like moving forward after going all in. And for the mindset that Kroenke took, Kroenke's drafting players in St. Louis. And he's trading for guys in L.A. And there is a keeping up with the Joneses mentality in Los Angeles that you don't have in St. Louis. I'm, I'm fascinated about the, the mindset of the franchise moving forward if, in fact, they lose a couple of these pieces that are rumored to be at least discussing their futures. We'll, we'll discuss Sean McVay and Aaron Donald when we come back uh, as a big-picture look to the Rams offseason on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience 
and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. The Rams have their title, and they're certainly not going to trade that in exchange for an offseason of promoting hope and another season of maybe we'll get there and, and bring home the trophy. Many teams are doing that on an annual basis. They've got the Lombardi Trophy now and the first one in Los Angeles. But what about the reports of Aaron Donald and Sean McVay on top of their free agent class of their own roster and the fact that they're losing Kevin O'Connell, their other would-be play caller, to the Vikings? Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Let's start with Aaron Donald. Um, who is the best defensive player in the league. There are some that will argue with you that he is the best player in the league because of his dominance in the run game, pass game, and how he affects game plans top to bottom for the opposition. Um, the, the reports after eight years that if he won last night, this is pregame, that he could step away. Uh, I, I don't know how what well you guys thought. I thought immediately it raised an eyebrow like, Really? Three-time defensive player of the year. Uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. No one's arguing that. And the only thing that he lacked was the ring. And then the post-game interview with Tafoya, you can tell that he's leaning in that direction based on how he, he answered the question. Um, he wasn't surprised that news got out pregame that this could be his final game if he won it. I don't like it at all. I mean, he could do what he wants. Obviously, I don't begrudge a guy retiring or, n- or not retiring, and that it's not for me to decide when he does or doesn't. I just don't like, uh, generationally, I think this idea has become more popular. I don't have anything left to prove. I mean, Tom Brady never said, I don't have anything left to prove when he played all of this time. He wanted to keep going and, and enhance his resume as the best ever. Aaron Donald may well be the best defensive player ever, and I don't see why he wouldn't be compelled or why we should feel guilty for saying you are the best defensive player ever. And I'd like to see you keep going and keep stacking the resume that says you're the best defensive player ever. So what more you have to prove is, and what a lot of guys have said immediately after they win a ring is, boy, I like the feeling of that. And I want to go feel it again. I want to go get another ring. We, we, we had a guest on the other day who sized his, uh, his world championship ring for his index finger. Was that, McLeod that we had in uh, at, on Super Bowl Row, one of the guys that we had that had a, uh, a Super Bowl ring, had it sized for his index finger. I asked why. He said, well, I want to put the next one on this finger. I, I like that. I, I like a guy who wants to go get a, another ring. I, I would have presumed before that talk that Aaron Donald automatically would have wanted to go get another one. You never know. He's what, not that old. You yet. never know. He's 30 years old. You never know what makes someone tick. Maybe the 
thought of Aaron Donald not being the best and not being at the top of his game just freaks him out to the point he doesn't ever want to see himself not dominant. And maybe thinks, hey, I'm, I'm entering my 30s. I'm, I'm going to start to decline at some point, And I don't want to go through that. And I've won my ring that I wanted to win. And now I'm done playing. I, mean, I, I hate it too because he's a great player. I want to keep watching. So selfishly, I'm, I'm not mad at him if he decides to retire. But selfishly, I'd like to continue to see him playing. I do think, though, that it's a little bit... Look, a ring is a ring. But maybe it's a little bit different for a defensive lineman as opposed to a quarterback in terms of uh, the feeling that you have over impacting rings and future rings and the quest for rings when you look at Brady. And Brady's also just different in a lot of ways versus, you know, versus Aaron Donald as a defensive lineman. Maybe he's saying, I've been the best since I've been in the league for eight years and it's equaled one ring. So I can only impact so much as a defensive lineman, as the best in the game, as a future Hall of Famer. And I got my ring, and now I'm, I'm done. I, I, I don't know if he decides to do it, what the reason would be. If they get most of that team I'd back. I'd like to, to continue seeing him play because I see no signs of a drop-off. If they get most of that team back, they've got a pretty good chance next year again. If he leaves, they don't. Well, I, and, and just going back and, and reading things from the start of his career or talking with coaches – we had one last uh, two weeks ago with uh, Mike Waffle, who was the defensive line coach when he was drafted in St. Louis. Uh, we've had others uh, that w- we certainly know that would tell you Aaron Donald, when he was drafted, had two goals. Hall of Fame, championship ring. And if you're geared towards that and you're goal-oriented, He's got him. what do you do next? And it's not like defensive line has the same great debate that we have with quarterback. Brady is always geared towards, you know, the next challenge and trying to prove people wrong. And we're, con- I mean, the constant off-season discussion for lazy sports talk hosts is that Mount Rushmore of players. I mean, with Aaron Donald, it's not like you routinely get to a, a May or June of the off-season and start having the great defensive line debate on who's the greatest of all time. Uh, you're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. And he already is in year eight. Three-time defensive player of the year. I mean, you, some were voting him last night Super Bowl MVP. And uh, I know Bill Polian said that he would have voted him MVP last night. And on top of that, he gets the Super Bowl ring. And, and I'll, I'll back up to, I was watching a bit of the, uh, the pregame show on NFL Network, and uh, credit to Peter Schrager for pointing this out. He had the final word on a player that he's watching in this game beyond the quarterbacks. And some said, you know, Odell and Cup and others. Schrager said, I was texting with Sean McVay last night. And I asked him how he was doing and what it was feeling like. And he said, yeah, I'm very calm. I'm going to bed early. You know, look forward to a big game tomorrow. And he said the follow-up text, and I'm, I'm ad-libbing a bit, paraphrasing. He said the follow-up text was, who are you wanting this for? And immediately McVay got back and said 99. Why would McVay say that the night before the game? Well, uh, look, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons he could have said it other than he knows he's retiring, but it definitely lends itself to you. Yeah, he's the guy that's been there for the longest time and been there ever since, obviously, he got there and Aaron Donald was already there. Two hours later, a report came out that if they won, he was going to retire. Yeah, I I get what you're saying, and I'm just saying you asked why would he say that. I'm telling you all the other reasons he'd say it, even if he wasn't retiring it. If he wasn't retiring, that Aaron Donald would be my answer as to the one guy you want it for 
more than anyone on that Rams roster. When I heard the news, I was shocked, and then I started thinking about his career, and it shocked me less in a weird way. When I started thinking about, okay, 30, he's done a lot. If they win it, and that's this last thing that he wants to accomplish, I mean, I guess I kind of get it. But again, I'll just go back to, I hate watching great athletes step away at the seeming height of their powers. And this is a fan thing and someone who watches sports thing more than anything else. I want to see a guy decline before he relieves. I, I want to see that. I want to know what they were like at their best, and I want to see them at the end of their career. I don't want to see them struggling to get up and down the field or the court, but I want to see the decline before they step away. It's why I want to see Tom Brady continue to play. I'm not seeing some great decline out of Tom Brady right now the last two years, so I want him to continue playing. I feel the same way about Aaron Donald. Uh, another reason he might want to continue to play, he's due $14 million next year, 19 the year after that, 19 the year after that. But the way it was described to me is he's never defined himself based on the paycheck. And while the paycheck's nice, he's got how much in the bank already? Career? A, a, a lot. But that's um, a lot more to be made well, sure. still. But if you're set and you feel like you're set and you, you've, you've met your goals and expectations, it, it's an, it, I'm intrigued by it because I think on one hand you think, oh, no way. But on the, on the second hand of, of, of after reconsidering it, I think we're going to see more and more guys do this. I mean, it's not like it hasn't been done before. We saw Calvin Johnson do it, Barry Sanders. I mean, there's a, there's a list of Hall of Fame caliber guys who didn't see it through towards the end and decline of their career and, in fact, left the game early as opposed to late. He would certainly be on this list, and undoubtedly he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And then that... That brings up the class of 2027 to 8, too. Brady, Roethlisberger, Adrian Peterson, Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Donald. That would be a first ballot, five-pack, one-hour meeting. I, I mean, the, the three, you know, uh, contributor, coach, I don't know what the shape of that would be at that stage, veteran. But in terms of the discussion well, of those five modern era candidates, JJ Watt's on that list now. Yeah, can you imagine JJ Watt? One of those guys would not make it. So, so well, the record. I mean, the record is three. The record all time for the Hall of Fame first ballot is three players. So, I mean, you you've got you've got five that are certainly worthy. And maybe six or seven. And, and, and I'd take Gronk out of there if I had to take one. Brady, Roethlisberger, Peterson, Gronk, and Donald. Well, also, we don't know who's, who's up for their last year at that point. Yeah, well, that, you know, Who's I in the rotation for it's either now or veteran well, committee I, type I thing. I guarantee you that'll be considered in the run-up years with that in mind. Crazy to consider. And, and then throw J.J. Watt, who's also a three-time defensive yeah. player of the year in the mix. Insane. Um, and Sean McVay, so there, there had been rumblings throughout the latter, port, or the latter part of the regular season about TV networks were going to approach him. The same way, you know, if, if Sean Payton was mentioned, McVay was mentioned. And, you know, I just brushed it off like, yeah, you know, eventually. But not now. You think about the youngest coach to win the, the Super Bowl. And then you think, well, he's from the Gruden tree. And there are those that compare him to Gruden, like he could step away from the game and get into broadcasting and still potentially get back in it if he so chooses and not call it a retirement. But it's, uh, it's fascinating to think that the coach who was, <laughs> who was behind the all-in process 
is one and done and leaves the would leave the organization to you know fix the mess that's left behind in contract salaries and the lack of draft picks to build anything up for the new guy. So he tweeted Rappaport after this got a little headwind. When was it? Friday? F- Friday or Saturday? I think Friday. And uh, said, um, I'm committed to this team and coaching. So to, to poo-poo this. Now, of course, you're going to poo-poo this in the two days coming up to the biggest game of your life and not to distract your team and everything like that. Um, I mean, I would think there would be a few more years for McVay to get to that point of feeling the, the burnout kind of thing and everything. And, and uh, I, would, I would apply the same logic here. I'm applying to Aaron Donald. Like, I would think he'd wake up thinking, I got to go do that again. Um, I mean, he, he's young and not at the burnout stage, I would think. I, I, I completely buy the coaching burnout thing, though we've compared it often to the college game. It's nothing like that. But I could see him doing it. Can I see him doing it at, what is he, 36? 36. I mean, give me four more years. So Madden coached from thir- head coach, 32 to 42, got out. People thought, oh, he's going to get back in. This isn't real. Stayed in broadcasting, obviously. The rest is history. Cowher, Became a legend. Pretty young. Bill Cower, pretty young also. I've been arguing for weeks now with the complications around college football and NIL. You're going to have coaches in a rush to get to the NFL, if they can, if they're good enough to, because the hours are going to be better. The headaches are going to be less. They can focus on football. There are actual college coaches who like to feel like they're molding young minds, and it's more than just football, and now they feel like it's just business and football all the time and they don't want to be a part of it. So why not just go and be a place that's up front about being the business of football in the NFL? So I think that's the next move. Are we witnessing the, the, the next, the revolution of this, where the next move is, I don't want to work as hard and as much, so I'll step aside from being a current head coach to going to broadcasting if I have the chops to be in broadcasting and make maybe as much, maybe not quite as much, but my oh, lifestyle is going to be could, far better. He can double what he's making. And how many jobs? So even are more there? possibly. How many tele- television jobs are there? Like, uh, we, there are a bunch of guys in it already, right? Cowers in it. Jimmy Johnson's in it. Uh, well, you got Amazon starting right. their own thing. Dunge, Dungey's in it. So we're talking about an all-star cast here. Now we're going to put Peyton in it. Then we're going to put McVeigh in it. At a certain point, you do reach a saturation point where the next guy in it knocks somebody out of it. Well, yeah. I mean, look, we're talking about the creme de la creme. Have you seen how many? There's only so many jobs out there. Have you seen how the many seats jobs? they put in a studio set? Well, there's also, yeah, I'm going back to my college NFL. There's only 32 head coaching jobs. So it's not like I'm saying there's going to be a ton of guys flooding the NFL to go be an assistant wide receivers coach and leave their head coaching job at Iowa to go do that. I'm not saying that, but the top guys, if they get the opportunity, a Jim Harbaugh, who was trying to get back, they may make the jump, and same goes for. There's not going to be a ton of Sean McVay's. Sean McVay at 36 with his charisma, and if he's getting offered a lot of money and can entertain going on television, I get it. I see that, and I, I get it. It's not from a lazy perspective. It's just if you can it's make same life. or more money or even a little bit less money, and your lifestyle is that much more improved, and you've already won a Super Bowl ring, and you've been coaching since you got out of college and you want to try something different, I, I understand it. See, I, I give this more weight than I think most people would 
Because in order for this rumor to start, it's got to start somewhere. And even if the network is the one who starts it, you're not approaching the random coach who's 36 years old at the time, 35, and asking him if he's ready to go into television uh, without even winning a Super Bowl yet. He's been to one. To me, there had been some rumblings about this. Otherwise, I don't know why you, you throw it out there. The same way Sean Payton was ready uh, to, to take a year off, step away from the game. I, I, I'm intrigued by the, the timing of it, it getting out, and then you've got some new television deals that have just been negotiated. There's more money at stake for the networks and the league. Um, a lot of international broadcasts coming up and networks positioning themselves for some Super Bowls in, in years upcoming. I think it's it's intriguing. He's making around, I think McVeigh makes about $8 million a year based on the story I was reading. And Yeah, he'd get a raise for you're, sure. Oh, you're, I mean, some were saying he could double it. He could get Romo money right out of the gate. And consider what McVeigh would offer. McVeigh is the coach. Compare McVeigh to Belichick yesterday or Friday. Belichick at, what, how he's 70? Going into a Super Bowl, if a reporter were to ask him, hey, would you mind discussing how you balance life and football and coaching and whether or not you've considered you know, taking a breath from the game and, and actually spending time with family? Belichick would have about a five-second answer on that. McVeigh gave a 95-second answer on that question, which means he's thought about it. And if he's thinking about it and now he's got the ring, he can step away and forever be the guy who's always rumored to get back in it and can name his price moving forward. He's it's a great business model for a young head coach that can live the life that he wants. He can stay in football, and yet he's not having to grind it out. It's uh, He's about to get married, it's in, right? It's intriguing. Yes. Yeah, he's about to get married. And Although, as a part of the answer, and Chad pointed this out on Friday – he also said, like, hey, I'm probably, I'll be, I'll be what, 61, and, you'll be and you guys you'll will still be, be asking me. You'll be asking me the same question at 61, which that could be asking that same question when he's on TV at but, 61. But we're not going to get back into coaching. Vrabel's, what, 44, 45? Yes, we're not asking him that question. But someone thought to ask Sean McVay because networks are knocking at his door for a reason. And Vrabel will be terrific on TV, but you can just tell. Well, he's, that's my point. He's a lifer coach. He wanted to be a coach growing up. His dad was a coach. But isn't it, but see, there's another branch to this. Isn't it fascinating that the coach, all these organizations are modeling themselves after the coach they want is the coach that's considering walking away after one title? It would make me if you're if you're looking to hire the next McVeigh, if he in fact left for television, it would make me reconsider hiring a good looking 30 year old coach <laughs> that could very well get offered. Forty million from Netflix well, I mean, in the next television what's contract 40 million to go Amazon. to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or Apple Plus or whoever, because the motivation. Uh, Sean McVay's not fat, but mentally, <laughs> psychologically, he's fat and happy. If he's leaving after six years as a head coach to go to television, but I'll do the traditional thing I do here with my most fanatical football fan friends. Would you take what you got from Sean McVay and give him up? If you're a Rams fan, and they'd say yes. They'll say, for last night, I'll give him up. Of course, but this was being discussed prior to the game. Right. And also, the reason one of the reasons Stan Kroenke hired him in L.A. was we want a face of the franchise for 15 to 20 years. I got to tell you guys, I don't know if you agree with me. We were out there for a good solid week. We interacted with a lot of people. That team is not winning that town. No, that's my point. You have to continue to win. 
You can't just go all in and get one title. You can do that in Cleveland or Cincinnati. You can't do that in well, Los Angeles. I don't think. I, I mean, the Titans like that, are I don't twenty know that years in team here. Wins that the Titans are twenty years in here in Nashville, and they have a long, long way to go to really own the town. And this is an ownable town. I don't think Los Angeles is an ownable town the way things have gone. Oh, I, I the Lakers the already own it. The Titans own the town the way more than the Rams own. own it. The Rams are never going to own it because it went so long without football that people did their own thing. A lot of people are from other places. It's just not an ownable town well, for it, the NFL. The building as long is. As you're around, the league, it, it can own it. As long as you're but selling the team winning. can't own it. As long as you're selling the winning aspect, that team, that, that market, that city will love you. Yeah, they but, love a winner. But I think... They love the Hollywood script. I think you're going to go... They have a hit right now. I, I mean, I know it's that way for the Chargers. The Chargers are long gone. I think even for the Rams, you go to a random Rams game there, and they're going to be a significant number of fans of other teams. Same way it is here, because a trip to L.A. is a hell of a trip to go watch. And because there aren't... I don't know how big the place is, 80,000. You're not going to have 80,000 people in L.A. where we saw how many sport, Just sports venues. Never mind all the other things there is to do. How many different ways you could spend ticket money on going to see a team? How many different ways you could go there? Well, we just saw the 49ers take over their stadium. Yeah. In an NFC championship game. Exactly. That was the big talk going as all the 49ers. It's a long road for that team to own that town, Super Bowls or not. Let's go back to the Hollywood analogy, though. If you have a big hit, a big box office hit, you know a sequel's going to happen. So Sean McVay should be thinking sequel to a Super Bowl instead of getting out while the getting's good. And doing something else. Oh, I agree. He and Donald both, to me. But I, I, I'm with you, Hutton, on this. I, I heard it, and it makes sense to me. And I, I get it, if that's the lifestyle change you want to make. And you never have to get fired. Well, you, you leave on top, and you and, are the darling forever. Every offseason, imagine the ego kick and boost. Every coaching cycle, you are the top guy at every major university, NFL team, Sean McVay is going to be the guy that's mentioned. You don't think that's appealing he better to jump anyone soon. with an ego, and he, an NFL head coach has an ego. He better do it pretty quickly because he and Sean Payton can leverage each other. But if Sean Payton goes first, unless they already know where less, they're going, less left for him. Unless unless they already know where they're going, you're not stepping away unless you know where you're going. If well, you're Amazon's the new thing. There's something new there. The the other thing. By the way, is Al Michaels going to Amazon not the worst kept secret in sports business? It's, it's odd, isn't it? I saw a video with Eminem greeting Al Michaels after the game and talking about how you're, you know, I watch the game even when it's a bad game because of you, Al. You're so great. And Eminem was just praising Al Michaels. Said, "Please tell me you're not done." And Al Michaels, oh no, don't worry about that. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> You'll find out soon enough. And I'm thinking, everyone knows where he's going, but I guess they just want to wait until his contract is up and uh, announce at the appropriate time. Uh, so you've got Donald and McVeigh that were both asked about this post game. Just. And Donald's asked only about postgame. McVay's asked pregame, postgame. Both have yet to confirm anything, uh, both last night and today. And so that leaves open the possibility that both are back and they, they try to run it back. But the fact that they haven't, you know, the fact that McVay didn't Mike Tomlin this is fascinating because he's, uh, if you want to go all in next year, if you're L.A. and Kroenke, Kroenke's got to go all in to keep his coach. Starts now. That, that's, that's the next power play is to pay McVay the top dollar among any NFL coach out there because that's exactly what these TV networks will be able to do. And they give, they offer a better lifestyle. More coming, including the top performers of the NFL weekend, excluding Cooper Cup. That's a segment in and of itself in hour number three. But 
the, the top performers from Super Bowl 56 that maybe flew under the radar and how the, uh, the, the Rams won and maybe why the Bengals had a chance to win. That's next to now kick 360. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming up, Cooper Cup, the best at his position. That's in 10 minutes. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Top individual performers from Super Bowl 56 are standing ovations for last night's Super Bowl game uh, outside of Cooper Cup, of course. Matthew Stafford stepping up yet again. He, he deserves mention, uh, but I think there are some honorable mentions. Odell Beckham Jr. played a big factor in this game. Scored a touchdown, had two catches for 50-plus yards. He was impactful in that first half. It's not like the guy goes down um, on like a one-catch, 13-yard performance, and he gets a Super Bowl ring, and you look back on it, and you're like, well, he was a part of that, you know, the, the, the team that put it together with the final two months. But you, you have to find a way to call him, you know, a, a huge part of the, their run. L- last night, he was a factor, even in only playing, what, a quarter and a half or whatever it ended up being. I mean, they're having the MRI today on that knee, but I think it's pretty clear. Yeah, he's in uh, trouble. ACL. If the the fear is ACL is what's been reported, but not confirmed and yet. And that cuts into next year. Um, I'm going with a guy on the losing team, T. Higgins. I mean, four catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns, you know, both touchdowns uh, for Cincinnati in the game. Everyone's going to talk about Burrow and Chase, and I get it, rightfully so. You know, offensive, uh, rook, the rookie of the year uh, offensively for Cincinnati. T. Higgins is a real problem for people. And this is much more of a two-headed receiver monster in the future for Cincinnati than people are giving credit. I think um, it's a real three. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I'd, I'd throw Boyd in there as well. Um, but yeah, t- I thought T. Higgins was, uh, was big time. And look, we, we do our show uh, here in Nashville. There was some heavy Tennessee high school football flavor in that game last night. Van Jefferson uh, from Ravenwood, T. Higgins from Oak Ridge. T. Higgins, Jalen Ramsey, that was Oak Ridge versus Brentwood Academy on the biggest play of the game. Uh, so shout out to Tennessee high school football. Bryson Hopkins played at Innsworth in Nashville. Brad Hopkins' son also. So that's something that jumped out to me, but T. Higgins is mine. Well, I'm going to go defender on each team. Sean Robinson was really good uh, against the run. Uh, but the guy who keeps getting my eye uh, uh, through these playoffs, I've really liked Logan Wilson, and he was team high in tackles in this game um, for the for the Bengals. And not just that, he he uh, three tackles for a loss, a pass defense, really all over the place. Um, and he's really grown in my eyes throughout the playoffs for Cincinnati. That's not just an offensive team. Everybody talks about the the offense. Oh no. He, he's a terrific defender. Ashawn Robinson also uh, gets lost in the shuffle of the big names on their uh, defensive front with Donald, with Miller, with Floyd. Uh, he, he was very good. And, Paul, you've got it pulled up. I don't know where this guy finished in tackles. It's got to be near the top. But a rookie backer for the Rams is Ernest Jones. Um, and he was seven tackles, a sack, two tackles for a loss, three hits, and a pass defense. That's he was a nice, all over nice the place. Nice line right there. Yeah. And he, 
he played well um, and stepped up. He started the season like just a, an active guy or like a, a third or fourth string player and has worked his way up into the lineup. And and then last night, just has to step up and, and play well. Bryson Hopkins, we should give him a shout out because he, um, and, and we would do this regardless of the connections here. He's a he's a an active player normally, who's called up. He was an active all season too, I believe. Called right? up the night before the game. Um, and Might had I, one I, catch during the year. I'm sure he knew that there was a chance he would be active, but not only active, he played the most snaps of any tight end on the roster yesterday. Four catches on four targets, 47 yards. Played 36 snaps though. Very good showing for the Rams. 39. Uh, Kendall Blanton played 30. And he last played – so Bryson Hopkins played 39 of 69 plays. And he played throughout the – midway through the third, through the fourth quarter, he was the tight end that was used. And Kendall Blanton was on the bench. He looked like a guy who'd played all season. Yeah. But he did not blink. He was ready for the In moment. that game. In, in a Super Bowl, he didn't blink. One thing we didn't mention, and we may mention more in, in our last hour here, we were not far from seeing John Wofford – and Brandon Allen <laughs> right. in this game. I mean, both quarterbacks really got decked, and and on the ground looked well. We were like they were in big. We trouble. weren't far, but we were. I mean, when you think about what these guys played through, especially Stafford. Stafford for the Lions. There was one year, Paul, where he came here with a bum shoulder, like a he broke his collarbone or something, and could have easily just gone to IR. I mean, they were done. I know what one you're or saying. two wins, but in the came moment, and played anyway. That there's no way those guys were leaving. In the, game. the moment on the ground when they are slow motion yelling, there's there's time there. I'm thinking like they may. I know they're going to play no matter what if they can. But I'm thinking for a minute they might not be able to. Well, it, it was also it's a different game then. Chris Collinsworth immediately with both guys. We're going to keep seeing them. Don't worry about <laughs> it. We're going to those guys aren't stepping out of this game. I can tell you that they're getting they're getting helped off the field. They'll be fine on the next series. Coming up, Cooper Cup, the best at his position, and he's on full display in the clutch moments throughout this postseason. Offensive player of the year, uh, and he goes for the triple crown at the position, then wins MVP last night. We discuss Cup and the Rams' future next.